Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our 13th day of Podmas where we're putting out an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. So what film do we have today? We have Netflix 281st film from 2020. It's the drama called The Boys in the Band. It's directed by Joe Mantello, stars Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomber, Andrew Rennells, Charlie Carver, Robin DeZeus, Brian Hutchinson, Michael Benjamin Washington, and Tuck Watkins. I'm Jesse. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me today. That's a big cast. This uh, is a big film that I'm sure a lot of you have heard of or have seen, but if you haven't seen this and you're keen on not uh, having the story spoiled for you, give us a pause and come back a little bit later on because we're going to jump into the fast flicks where do a quick little summary of what the film is all about. So this one's about a group of men who get together to celebrate a friend's birthday, but the mood changes when two guests arrive, one uninvited. <laughs> Intriguing. Uh, there's lots, lots to talk about with this film. Um, this is a, a big film because it does have a good history. So let's talk a little bit about how this film ended up on Netflix. Uh, we've got to start off, I guess, that this is based on the 1968 play of the same name by Mark Crowley, who also wrote the screenplay for this alongside Ned Martell. Crowley had previously adapted um, the the stage show, The Boys in the Band, for a 1970 film version, uh, which was directed by William Friedkin and starred the original 1968 off-Broadway cast as well. So how do we get to 2020, I guess? We go back to April of 2019, where Ryan Murphy, who you'd know for um, quite a few Netflix things, but he announced that the play, The Boys in the Band, would be adapted for Netflix as a part of his $300 million deal with the streaming platform of Netflix. Principal photography began in July of 2019 in LA. The film was dedicated to the memory of Matt Crowley, the, the playwright who wrote the original play, who passed away on the 7th of March, 2020. The film stars the full roster of players from the play's 2018 Broadway revival, comprising a cast exclusively of openly gay actors. So quite groundbreaking there as well. On the the same day that the film was available on Netflix uh, to watch, Netflix also released a 30-minute documentary, uh, which is directed by Joel Katsu Konis Child, with Matt Crowley uh, reflecting on the legacy of the story of the boys in the band. Um, so it's called Something Personal. There's lots of interviews in this. I watched it after I watched the film. Um, so lots of interviews with Crowley about um, you know him being the first man to commercialize a gay story, and and the characters are, are based on people in his real life. So nice little insight into the making, uh, as well as some interviews with a lot of the cast as well. So that was a, that's a good little watch if you if you enjoy this film. The playwright, um, Matt Crowley, he actually appears in a cameo at the end of the film uh, in a bar scene, which was shot at Julius um, in Greenwich Village Bar, and this restaurant was also shown in the 1970s film as well, so a nice little thing. Uh, the 1970 film, as I'm talking about that, I guess, initially that film was banned in Australia. Um, the classification board in Australia at the time claimed that it was indecent and obscene. So it took another two years, so we had to go to 1972 where the R rating was actually introduced that Australians could actually see the movie. So a little bit of a sad story about censorship really in Australia back in the day. Translations for this film around the world. In Norwegian and Swedish, it's called Between Us Men. Not a bad title. Um, in Polish, it's called Boys from the Pack. That's okay. Um, in Czech, it's called Party Boys. Don't know about that one. In Chinese, it's called Boys Night Party. In Turkish, it's called Kids at the Party. I don't know if we're calling them all kids. Um, and in Vietnamese, it's called the boys in the club. They don't actually go to a club, so um, unless we're referring to their friendship as a club of its own, but uh, interesting. The tagline for this one, pretty bland, pretty boring. It just says, 
based on the Tony Award winning play that changed a generation. So pretty boring tagline. Probably could have come up with something a little bit better there. This was released on Netflix on the 30th of September 2020. As I mentioned before, filmed in and around um, parts of LA, New York. The awards, this had one win and five nominations. It did win Outstanding Film for a limited release at the GLAAD Media Awards. It was also nominated at the LGBTQ Film of the Year or nominated for Film of the Year by the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics. Jim Parsons and Robin De, Je De Jesus both were nominated for performances at the Quitties and the film was nominated for Best Studio Movie and the Next Big Thing Award too. So a little bit of rec recognition from the community there as well. What are the critics and audiences saying about this film? On Rotten Tomatoes, it sits at 84%. That's on 102 reviews, so it's fresh and it is certified as well. So positive there from critics. The audience a little bit lower at 74%. That's on more than 250 ratings. IMDb, solid again, 6.8 out of 10 on 17,000 ratings. Letterboxd sits at a 3.4 out of 5 on nearly 35,000 ratings, but it's been logged by 47,000 people. And then if we go to Metacritic, who use that traffic light system of uh, green, yellow, and red, the critics have it as 70 out of 100 on 23 reviews, so that's green, that's positive, and then the audience has it as 6.7 out of 10 on 35 reviews, and that is also green, so also positive, so lots of positive thoughts about this film. What are my early thoughts? This is super heavy in dialogue, so I understand that that might be a, a point of turnoff for some people, but I mean, like, I guess too, you probably need to focus pretty hard to, to get everything out of it, but if you do um, do that and take the time to accept and appreciate what it's saying. I think, um, you know, even if it is a little bit explicit, it's extremely well performed and put together in a, in a good story. So um, you can see how this would have worked on the stage quite well. Characters in this film, characters. So we've got our big uh, big band of people that all sort of uh, arrive in this uh, apartment block. I've sort of mishmashed a whole bunch, like these characters are, you know, over 40 years old. So there's, there's lots about these characters um, that I've, I've sort of just compiled from a range of places. So Michael's our first one, played by Jim Parsons. He's the host. This is his apartment. This is where most of this film happens. He's the catalyst for most of the drama um, in this story as well. His uh, friend Harold, or probably a, he's not really a friend, more a frenemy. Um, and he's this is the party. This is the party for why they're all gathered together. He's Michael, like a semi-employed writer. Um, he's a Catholic, so you know faith and sin and those ideas are very heavily discussed in this film. He's obviously worried about money too. Um, he's worried about God and his thoughts on him, as well as uh, aging, and that's done through his receding hairline at times as well. Uh, we find out, you know, he, he heavily uh, smoked, uh, drunk, those types of things, but he's quit. Um, because obviously he becomes a nasty person when he does these things. But as the tension in this film builds up, we see him drinking consistently throughout this film, and that sort of uh, shows us why uh, he may have had to given up that, apart from the health uh, factors as well. Harold, the, the why everyone's together for this party, played by Zachary Quinto. Um, you know, the, the quote, I think, is that he's an ugly, pockmarked Jew fairy, and that, that's the character's own word. So, um, you know, he's becoming increasingly uh, sad about losing his young youthful looks um, and his ability to attract young men as well he's always late and he's late to this party as well and i think um you know that the reason they give behind this is that he's always spending so much time in front of the mirror to try and make himself look good uh donald donald's the sort of the the second character we meet after michael played by matt bomber he's sort of um michael's friend but he's conflicted um because you know he's moved from the city 
um, to, to live this um, homosexual lifestyle and he's sort of undergoing psychoanalysis and, you know, he's got these wholesome American good looks. Um, he's had a hookup with Michael at some stage before and sort of, you know, he's, he's come to help with this party to, to get it ready as well. Uh, Larry, we've got, who's played by Andrew Rennells, extremely handsome guy, this commercial artist, likes having lots of different sexual partners and and he's sick of always being referred to as a homewrecker or someone who ruins people's relationships because of his flexibility in, in what he likes in a relationship too. Um, we have a cowboy who rocks up as a, a birthday present, um, played by Charlie Carver. He's like this muscular, attractive, blonde um, pimp, I guess, who's not too bright, but pretty. <laughs> and he's one of Harold's presents. So he sort of sits there to add a little bit of humor throughout um, Emery, Emery, um, played by Robin De Jesus, flamboyant, um, effeminate, interior decorator, sort of um, that, that stereotypical character that we see at times as well. Uh, a couple more characters, Alan, Alan's sort of the party crasher, played by Brian Hutchinson. Um, he's married. Um, he's a college friend of Michael, um, a past roommate, obviously unexpected, but he's, he's come to visit New York because he's got to tell Michael something, but he doesn't want to do it in front of others. Um, it's suggested at times through Michael that, that Alan has had homosexual affairs earlier in his life, um, but obviously he, he still loves his wife and his kids and it's sort of left to interpretation. We might talk about that a little bit later on, but it's clear his homophobic homophobic attitude um, is there. It's evident. So that's a part of the, the, the story as well. Bernard. Bernard is the African-American of the group played by Michael Benjamin Washington. Um, you know, he wants a... a a boy himself um, and you know talks about previous relationships he's had um, where his as a younger boy where his mother worked as a maid and those types of things so there's some quite um, derogatory things said towards him but I guess that represents the time um, and, and there's a lot of commentary around the film as well as to why they didn't adjust that to reflect common times and, and I think there's a lot of the cast that have said we wanted to keep true to the the actual text itself um, the last character is Hank um, so Hank is uh, Larry's boyfriend um, and obviously I mentioned before Larry doesn't want to settle down with just one person and, and Hank sort of is frustrated about this too because he's leaving behind he's, he's been married he's got kids he's leaving his wife divorcing because um, you know he, he wants to be with Larry um, and that, that's sort of at the conclusion of the film as well Alright, the director, Joe Mantello, um, has worked with Ryan Murphy before, we mentioned Ryan Murphy before, but he's worked as an actor in, in Hollywood, um, the, the Netflix short series that Ryan Murphy did, as well as American Horror, Horror Story, um, minimal directing credits apart from, looks like um, some screen version of the Wicked musical as well, so obviously he likes to work in the dramatical side of things. Let's talk about some scenes. What are some scenes that I enjoyed in this? And this is hard because really it's one big scene in an apartment block, but what are some moments that, that sort of were enjoyable? So I think there's a scene where, um, you know, there's this will um, Alan rock up to this party or not? And, and Michael has told his friends, you know, tone it down a little bit, tone down the gayness for Alan when he arrives. And they believe he's not coming, but he sort of rocks up and, <laughs> and he walks in and they're all dancing. That was quite funny. There was a, a line about Michael um, having been with, um, Hank's wife in the past and Emery in shop just pops his balloon that was humorous as well the, the tension and the build-up and the slurs and, and the violence from Alan towards Emery proved as a character what his true feelings were I think that was really important uh, Emery after he's been beaten up um, by Alan and he's in the bathroom you know healing or trying to clean up his wounds uh, Alan sort of ushered into the bathroom because he's drunk too much and he's vomiting 
and Emery just sort of hides in the cupboard scared of him so that was funny too uh, the rain rain obviously symbolizes change or, or something bad that's arriving and the rain starts and they leave the birthday cake out in the rain just a good reference to a great song um <laughs> i'm not going to sing it it's a good song the, the the party game and this is that that big moment of this film this party game that michael wants to play where you've got to call the one person you've loved in your life the tension throughout as each of them go to call or reject calling um it, it's sadness and, and regret and it's all done so well especially for emery um when he's hung up on too so i thought that was done really well played out nicely michael um has a go at emery this is just a, a one-liner that i thought was funny he has a go at emery because he's turned into that nasty sort of character because he's been drinking so much and says to emery um why would anyone want to be with a sissy like you except maybe some fugitive from the braille institute i was like well that is a dagger that's an absolute dagger I thought that line was good uh, and i thought the larry and donald reveal was done quite nicely too things that i didn't like not much really there's two things i think the opening of this and obviously it reflects the closing where we see what the characters are up to before this night together and then what they're up to after the night together the opening really confused me for the opening of a film um it just it didn't sit right with me because I, I there was just quick little shots of what they were doing. There's so many characters to know in this play or this film. It just didn't work. Um, and then finally too, and obviously this is another thing that they've changed from the play, but there's flashbacks during the party game um, of each of the the characters who are about to make a call about their first love in their past. Then, you know, there was a pool, there was a prom night, there was a toilet block at a train station. Those things, I don't know, I don't think it added much to the, the narrative, so I'm not sure that that was a good choice. Um, what's this film saying? Themes, ideas. Obviously, the idea of acceptance is there, um, you know, accepting yourself and, and that acceptance from some, from society too, and it's so hard when you're a minority, um, and the shame and the guilt and the fear that is felt when it's not justified. Um, it's just a harsh, harsh thing that you see in this film, that idea too of emotional trauma from being rejected by the world, by your family, by your friends, the shame, the self-loathing, uh, and, and that all plays through that idea of love as well, that you're hurting the ones that you love with words, especially in this film, um, or that need for love, that, that constant desire for love too, which becomes hard with that idea of getting old, that idea of failure and achievement in life because you're, you're getting old and you can't see what you've actually done. Um, but not everything is about physical looks, even though, you know, at times that's what people desire. So, um, and, and that's part of making sense of life, of the world, finding your place in the world or finding a place in the world where you're comfortable. And obviously these guys all together are very comfortable with each other. Uh, and we do see that idea of running too, um, either running away from something or towards something better possibly. That, that's taken from that final scene where Michael's running down that street. But also we, we hear early in the film too, Michael talks about the only happy place in his life is when he's on a plane, um, that run, run, running idea. Uh, and again, just reflecting on it, you gotta think about how far the world has come, but also how close we still are to that previous world, which is a little bit sad to say as well. Um, what did I take away from this one? The music, the set design, the costumes, all perfect. You really felt like you were there in the 60s. I thought that was really excellent work um, and well done. Um, questioning, questions or ponderings, any thoughts about this one? I think, um, like there's a scene where uh, all the gifts and all the birthday presents are given out to Harold well they're sitting out on the balcony and he opens up Michael's present and it sort of looks like a picture frame or a picture with some words on it that Harold says is too personal to say I'd really like to know I'm intrigued what were the words on that picture um, unless I missed it or, or there was a shot where it explained it I'd really like to know what they were um, because those two are obviously friends but they bicker quite quite fiercely with each other um, I'm going to wrap this up we give the film a rating out of five for me, this this film, you know, I'm not. I think I've sort of touched on this, but I'm not 100% sold on the things they probably added into the film version rather than the stage version. But this is a really solid film that 
depends on the performances, the passion from the performers and their ability to connect with the content and just such a, obviously a close and personal film to so many of them that it, it just works so well. So I give this a three and a half out of five, really solid film. We are on socials. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram and we've got X formerly known as Twitter. The question that, um, I think this is a pretty clear question that you'd finish this episode with, but what is, I'm just going to put it on social media, but what does Alan have to tell Michael so desperately? Why does he need to come to New York to tell Michael? And I guess Michael sort of uh, throws it away towards the end that he thinks, oh, maybe, you know, he was talking about his wife, etc. We don't know. We don't know as an audience what it was about. Um, and maybe that night in the room with all those those people made him actually decide, I'm not leaving my wife. I'm going back to my life because I'm not comfortable um, with these people. I don't know. I mean, I'm intrigued though. Um, it's a really interesting question to leave on. Um, as always, well, not as always, but as throughout the month of December, we're back tomorrow. So join me tomorrow for a 2020 film. This one's in a, is a Malaysian Malay language action rom-com called All Because of You or Pasal Kai. It's directed by Adrian Tet and stars Herul Azim, Jana Nick, Amarul Effendi, Namron, and Henley Hai. That's what we've got tomorrow. Interested, intrigued? Join me tomorrow. I'll see you then.